Let's start the show. You gentlemen could describe it better, but I am here with new accessories, new fashion accessories in honor of the fallen brother, Will Muschamp. I'm wearing some fake glasses, which I believe will make my picks extra smart today. What do you think? They will, in fact, make your picks stronger. I'm going to follow all your picks this week and ride your coattails to a 15 and two week. Much like Muschamp saved his job for one year by wearing similar glasses. So uh, hats off to you, Tom. Or maybe I'm trying to do a like um, can't hardly wait. She's all that type thing where I wear these glasses and this hat and then I take them off mid show and you guys realize how beautiful I've been all along. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, he was no ugly duckling. He was just quirky. You're going to get asked to the prom. That's weird, but that's cool though. Well, as a chaperone to talk about on this show, we watched (laughs) Uh, American pie. Okay. There was a free preview of HBO max, which I think I already have. It's one of those subscriptions where I'm not sure. It's very confusing, as you can tell. So I have some sort of HBO device. But anyway, American Pie 1 was on last night, unedited. And we caught, like, the first half hour. Uh, it holds up pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I, I laughed out loud a lot at Stifler in particular. And also, I thought everyone's outfits and fashion was terrible, except for one person. That would be Mr. Finch. His hipster attire translates well 20 years later, wearing like a corduroy jacket, like Chuck Taylor's. It's pretty much spot on. Yeah, he was the, um, he was like the weird one who stood out in the yeah. movie. He's totally normal now. He is in the opening scene wearing a corduroy dra- jacket, um, sitting there um, holding a, what, like a macchiato or something like that. And they're like, just have your coffee. He's like, it's a macchiato. People are like, we don't know what that is. Fast forward. 20 years and everyone's got their specialty Starbucks drink written on the side of their cup. He also had his own putty green that he brought to school with him Yes, during fucking lunch break. He was out there with a putter Finch. So Finch was actually the coolest one of the group. It turns out opening scene. There's a house party at Stifler's house. He shows up so casually late. The party's over. And he's drinking by himself in the corner when everyone wakes up in the morning. Finch, looking back on it, is the hero of American Fire. We might have to just cancel the podcast next week and look look into this. We're going to pick a week because this is a 37-week football season. We should pick a week where it's like the no football, all pop culture show. But I'm just, I'm, I'm looking on in awe in my shiny accessory glasses because you guys accuse me of being the conspiracy theorist, but you're coming in hot with a American pie conspiracy. So what would be the, the new ranking order in 2020 of American pie characters? Cause back then it was like Stifler and Oz were the cool ones, right? Yeah. So, okay. It's changed. Number one's Finch hands down. He likes all the cool stuff. And he has sex with the MILF at the end. He clearly is the MVP. Two, I'm going to go Stifler, just because, like, Stifler was funny when we were 18, then was old and, like, really killed for a long time. But guess what? It's funny again, because it's the first, like, the first time you've ever really seen Stifler act before. So it, it's hysterical. I'm going to go him, too. 
I'm not sure where the rest of them fall, but for sure, without a doubt, he was a loser back in 2000. He was a loser when you rewatched them all, and he's still the number one loser. What the hell is that guy's name? Tara Reed's boyfriend? Is it Kevin? Oh, Kevin. The, a, yeah, the guy from Little Kevin Big is, League. Kevin is a pussy, and he is the worst. He's like the worst villain ever. He's like, guys, let's make a bond that it's going to be special forever. And he's like trying to tell Tara Reed it's a special time at Stifler's party when some guy's like, I got, I got bad diarrhea, like in the background and he's just the worst. And but he was like, he was supposed to be the, if there's a hero, he was supposed to be like the good guy, you know, dad of the group, like the one you could count on the, the so-called like, you know, the rock of the, of the group. And he's the one who had the, you know, uh, what was considered at the time, the most attractive girlfriend. Yeah. Well, as we know, in American pie two, it didn't work out. All right. So I was very happy to see that he got, he got the shaft literally, but, um, yeah. So anyway, really enjoyed the first half hour, 45 minutes of American pie. Wouldn't mind checking back in for the last 45 sometime later this week. It was hilarious. So I might have to watch that because I need a palate cleanser because I had the day off work today and it poured all day. So I couldn't do any of the, the stuff I had planned to. And so instead I watched Hillbilly Elegy, the Netflix movie, which I would like to talk with you guys about at the end. But I don't think we can start with, you know, 15 minutes of non-football or we'll lose everybody. So let me steer it back to the main point. <laughs> welcome to <laughs> well, we're in it, but welcome to. Take the points week 14 out of 30 this season. We have to filibuster because it's such a weird season and every game's postponed. We just have to come up with whatever we can. I'm here. I'm Tom. I'm here with Dan and Ryan via zoom from Phoenix, Arizona, as per usual, you guys want to take a minute and talk about anything from week 13 that you remember that stood out before we get into the week 14 lines, Dan. I would, Tom. Um, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. This is the second time we've been excited to uh, put money against the Dazio, and they've canceled the fucking game. And I don't want there to be a third time, okay? There's only so many chances we got left in this goddamn season. And if they keep canceling all these Colorado State games, I'm going to need my girlfriend to get a third job to support my habit. So this, is, this isn't good. Um, Please stop canceling Colorado State games. That's my recap of last week. The implication there being that she already has a second job to support the habit. Her first job's you, just for her, I assume, and the that, second job's for your habit. That's or are both jobs for the habit? <laughs> that's all that. I'm you, clarifying you, the, the first job <laughs> is for her. Does she have a first job? job's for her, her, second's for the gambling habit, third's for the, it's going to get worse if they keep canceling Adazio games. Third one is strictly for Adazio-related gambling. <laughs> Got some bad news. Got to pick up some more hours to cover the Adazio losses. Well, Dan, I, I hate to break it to you, but you put her in that position. She's going to be out looking for another dude. <laughs> good, good. That was good. I walked into that one. All right, Ryan, how about you? Thoughts on um, week 13? Just uh, congratulations to the Beavers. Oregon State getting the job done. We were all over that one. We did not like Oregon at all. We were way off on the under, but uh, who cares? We were all over Oregon State in that game. 
So good for us. And uh, congratulations to you getting your Big Ten victory. And uh, that's about it. Um, A&M, Florida kind of slopped their way through it. Northwestern choked. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll get to them. But Northwestern got out Northwestern by Michigan State. It was a, yes. a another, the Big Ten is just, it's completely out of control. But we'll get into that when we go to the lines. I would just like to talk about two teams that are not really at the top of the charts. And Ryan, you can help me out with this first one. Buffalo? Uh, well, three teams. Yes, let's talk about Buffalo and the greatest running back performance of all time, which you guys... No one could have predicted that exact performance, but you guys told everybody to watch out for that. They're good. We've been saying it all year. Take take a victory lap. Thank you very much. Ryan, go right ahead. Look, we said he was going to go for 250 and five every game, and he went for 408. (laughs) (laughs) You got got a little bonus out of that from us. Has anyone won the Heisman just on two games alone? He's been doing this all year. Look at his like game to game log. It's insane. He's so good. I mean, the last two games, he's got like a thousand yards or something crazy. Um, so yeah. Buffalo, the other one I'd like your help with, um, UMass. Oh, they canceled the season. They decided late that they're going to come back and they just wrapped up their season. <laughs> oh, and four baby. But Ryan, you please share the greatest stat of this season. <laughs> Oh, yes. In their 0-4 season, the UMass Minutemen scored a grand total of 12 points. 12. That would be 10 in one game, 2 in a game, and shut out twice. That 10 was an explosion. Yeah, but, you know, they were just, what can you say? They were, you know, defensive battles, right? No. So the thing is, they gave up in those four games 161 total points. So for an average score of 40 to 3 in those four games, 40 to 3. So congratulations, UConn, on sitting this one out. You were the smarter team. That's right. They win the rivalry even when they're not playing. I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly where I was going with that. And then the other team I want to talk about is uh, Vandy. Somehow had an incredible week despite getting also shut out. So Vandy, this is the most Vanderbilt thing of all time. They, They get the first female kicker or the first female player period on a power five team to play in a game. She's the kicker. She gets her one kickoff to open the half. And then in true Vandy fashion, they get completely shut out. She gets zero PAT attempts, zero field goal attempts. She does not even see a single play aside from that mandatory kickoff. Um, And yet she still manages to be the star of the game. I don't know if you guys saw this after, but she basically was criticizing them for their lackluster sidelines and how lame it was. Um, I've got the quote, Sarah Fuller's her name. I just went in there and I said exactly what I was thinking. Um, this is her talking about a speech she gave at halftime. I was like, we need to be cheering each other on. This is how you win games. This is how you get better is by calling each other out for stuff. And I'm going to call you guys out. 
We need to support one another. During the SEC tournament, she says, my entire team was cheering the entire time. She's um, the goalie on the soccer team. It didn't matter if we were in the locker room or if we were on the sidelines. I think that's what won it for us. So congrats Vanderbilt on not only getting shut out, having this historic game and then blowing it where she doesn't really even get a chance to kick. But then somebody who wasn't even on your team a week ago is calling you out for how lame you are and lack of effort. And then Derek Mason joins the tarmac report and gets fired. So really just a banner week all around. Vandy he was on the tarmac baby. last week. He didn't make the top five, <laughs> but he was in my honorable mentions. I did tell him that he was on thin ice. So thinner than I thought. Yeah. The ice <laughs> fell through in Vanderbilt. <laughs> so that's it. I mean, there were some other, there were some great games. Uh, Clemson came out and did exactly what we thought, which was just destroy Pitt. Uh, oh, Syracuse. We should probably talk about. Oh my God, please. You guys, please take it. What a performance. So the first half of that game, North Carolina State did every stupid thing in the whole world. There's actually a clip of Mark Richt. I don't know if you guys seen it. I need to send it to you. I'm such an idiot. I have not seen this, but there's a, is there a Syracuse Mark Richt intersection? Mark does the halftime for the ACC network and he went off on a one minute tangent. He said, you asked me for my pick before this game, and I said NC State, and there's no way, no how Syracuse can possibly win. Well, that is wrong because when you fumble, and he, he listed off like 10 mistakes that NC State men, and he was irate. And then NC State, of course, wins by a touchdown because, amongst other things, Syracuse clocks the ball on fourth down with no time remaining. Um, just, a, you know that play kind of sums up the year for Syracuse in general. It's just the the worst year they've ever had. Um, Who cares really? I mean, I don't think they're going to score a touchdown anyhow. So whoop-de-doo as far as I'm concerned, just kind of like a ha-ha moment. But overall, it doesn't really, you know, show anything to me that I didn't already know about the team. But what do you think, Ryan? It was bad. It uh, It was a new low in the dome. And there's been a lot of lows in the last few years, but that was that was about as low as it gets. And uh, it's rough, man. It was a feel-good story. We all root for Culpepper. We all wanted the best for him, but that's just bad. Like that's just terrible coaching, terrible game management, terrible everything. It was just really, really bad all across the board. Time to shut it down. End the season. Just say you have COVID and just call it. Okay. All right. On that note, I think it's time to move into the week 14 lines. I'm going to toss it over to you, Dan. What do you got first? All right, Tom. Friday night, big game. UL Lafayette, ranked number 20 at Appalachian State. UL Lafayette, a two and a half point underdog, total of 54 only. Both teams really good. Uh, we only got three combined losses. Um, UL Lafayette dropped a 70 ball last week, by the way. they they That is correct. And therefore, I'm taking them against Appalachian State. We thought App State was going to win against 
Liberty was it? Correct. Coastal, Coastal, Coastal Carolina. That, yeah, yeah, we were that's wrong. correct. That did not happen. I think the same things happened in here. I'll go with the team that scored seventy. Give me UL Lafayette plus one twenty on the money line. Um, Agreed. Nothing to add. Great Friday night game, though. That is. That's a fun one. Total fifty four. I, I know. I got. I got to look into the defenses here, but uh, Friday night seems to go over. Thursday nights under. Friday nights are over usually. Uh, here's one for you. Speaking of Friday night, real quick, Boise State at UNLV. This UNLV team is top three worst team in the country. Boise State has one loss. Uh, their only loss being the game against BYU where a bunch of their players were out with COVID, including Hank Bachmeyer. He will be there. They're going to light UNLV on fire. Look, all right, lay the 27 uh, and definitely look for a first half line. Lay 17, 17 and a half with confidence. Boise should be up about 35, nothing at half. This is like old school Kellen Moore-esque uh, easy Friday night play. Boise in an absolute woodshed. UNLV, first-year coach, trying out different players, completely starting over, not accountable even if they go winless, which they will in a COVID year. They literally are just having fun. They just gave up 399 yards rushing last week at home to Wyoming and lost by 31. What's Boise going to do to him? Lay the 27. Don't even think twice. Speaking of Kellen Moore, Dan, are you mad that your joke from like five weeks ago about how the Cowboys should start Kellen Moore almost came to fruition in Denver with their coaches applying for a waiver and then the league shut it down? It should have. If, if you're getting a paycheck from the football team, you should be able to play football. That's the way it works. Like if, the guy in the mailroom is really good at kicking. Then you can sign him if your kicker's horseshit. Like, I think that should be a rule. Definitely in this situation, Denver had no quarterback. That was an embarrassing game of NFL football. They should have let anyone that they won have played. Um, well, whoop de fucking do. Funny you guys should say that because they're going to do the next best thing since they can't get their coach suited up they're going to go ahead and just sign their offensive coordinator's son since he knows the offense so well. That would be Pat Shermer's son, Kyle Shermer, formerly of the aforementioned Vanderbilt Commodores. And uh, so, yeah, so apparently the rumor is since he knows his dad's offense so well that he can get signed and come in off the street and at least run it competently. And uh, so look out for that. We were all over this with the – Kellen Moore, but this is actually like the best way to do it. That's great. And that's probably smart. It can't be worse than last week. I will say I have had no interest in watching a Denver Broncos game this year. And I actually turned that one on to see what would happen. So this might be a fun way to get ratings. I'd be curious to look at the ratings and see like how they did, but they did not learn from that one Baylor bowl game where Baylor had no QB and they actually won the game. You remember that That's one? Correct. Yeah, because they ran all like wildcat and handoffs and options and they rotated running backs through. It's kind of embarrassing, frankly, that the like the one precedent they didn't even seem to learn from or copy any of the plays or they didn't really seem to try to run their receiver quarterback at all. It seemed like the they, coaches just assumed they were going to lose and um, yep. didn't really try any trickery or whatever. But anyway, back to college. All right, Tom, moving on to Saturday. You ready? We got a lot of early Big Ten to talk about. This is this is my wheelhouse, baby. Here we go. 
the, the red-hot Penn State Mini Lions on the road at Rutgers. Penn State laying only 10.5. Total of 56. Tom, go ahead. Well, let me tell you, Dan, the folks at Covers.com, which I have up right now, do not like this one. We got Rutgers 73% of the action. So mm-hmm. Penn State, listen, they had a nice game, a good solid win against lowly Michigan, but now you're playing a good team in the Big Ten East, Rutgers, fourth best team in the in the division. So, you know, and this one's on the road in, you know, uh, Brick City, New Jersey. So this is not as easy as that, you know, easy game at Michigan. So I don't think you can lay 10 and a half with Penn State. There is a small, like, 15% chance that Penn State finally just got it together and they go out and just win by 30 like in any year. But based on what I've seen in the five games for each team, this Rutgers team is a better team than Penn State and should certainly cover the 10 and a half. So I don't know. I mean, I'll leave it at that. I still can't bet Rutgers just based on history and, you know, basically being shell-shocked. So I'll leave it alone. You do what you want. I'm not going to do anything, and I'm sure Ryan's going to do the same. I'm taking Rutgers. Let's go. (laughs) Chopping wood. This would be, I mean, this would be in a way the most embarrassing loss for Penn State because it's the perennial doormat. It's, they've, they've got the name, but also as we talk about many times, you've got, uh, Rutgers, Penn state owns New Jersey for recruiting. And if they go to New Jersey and they lose to Rutgers, that might actually affect recruiting a little bit. I mean, I doubt one year will make a huge difference, but this is not a game you want to lose. And then you're losing to Shiano, you know, a Penn state, you know, uh, offshoot coach. So, it would be really embarrassing. I mean, it really would be like lo- your high school varsity team losing to your JV team or freshman. It's a lot of points. <sighs> Speaking of a lot of points, Tom, Ohio State minus 23 and a half at Michigan State, fresh off the win over Northwestern. 23 and a half, Tom. Talk to me. Yeah, here's the thing Ohio State didn't play last week, obviously. So they're coming off, uh, you know, they could be a little rusty, probably not fields hasn't looked rusty yet. Michigan state, you never know with this team. They looked pretty good last week. Like I said, the out Northwestern Northwestern, a lot of runs, a lot of screen passes, a lot of short slants, strong defensive performance a bend, but don't break defense. So if they can play like that, they can certainly keep it within 24, but we know Michigan state we've watched Michigan state for a long time, Dan, can they string together two consistent games in a row? The answer to that question is no. Who the quarterback is, who the wide receiver running back, snow, rain, weather, home road. That's why they're always six and five because they just can't do it. So I like you, I feel like Ohio state's going to wax them 48 to 13 or something like that. It's a lot of points. I think it's going to be pretty close. I, I'll debate the rest of the week in my mind whether I lay it at 23 and a half or whether I try to take the over of 59. I do think Michigan State could put up a few, you know, possibly up to 20 points on Ohio State's defense. Ohio State's defense is not as good as they have been in past years, especially no. their secondary. So 
there's potential for Michigan State to put up a few scores, and then we know that Ohio State's probably going to put up 40. Style points. Yeah, just in case. I guess we could talk about this later, but we could also talk about it now. I'm not the first to say this, but it's funny. I think everyone had this reaction when Ohio State missed last week and everybody found out that if Ohio State misses another game, they're ineligible for the Big Ten Championship. And so, of course, people pull up the schedule, but we all know who they play last, which is Michigan, a horrible Michigan team that has really nothing to play for. Harbaugh, who knows, could be on his way out, you know, maybe not this year, but it seems like he's, you know, gearing up to leave town at some point in the next few years. Him pretending to have COVID, speaking of fake COVID, if Harbaugh was just like, uh, 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 sorry guys, we got COVID, we can't play. And he just canceled this game like on the Friday before where it was too late to reschedule. I think that would go down amongst Michigan fans and probably all non-Ohio State Big Ten fans as one of the best moves and the funniest things of all time. And then we would get a Northwestern or Minnesota versus Indiana Big Ten championship. Ohio State would still get that fourth slot in the playoff, of course. But it would be so funny, and I fully support Michigan doing that, and I would laugh so hard if it happened. I'll do you one better, Tom. His asshole brother is trying to pull the same thing in the NFL. They're right now the eighth seed on the outside looking in. NFL said if we have a week canceled because of COVID, we'll add an eighth team into the playoffs. If the Ravens miss a game, which they're trying, they're trying to get the Steeler game canceled and move to week 18, that would get them the eighth seed. And it would take away Pittsburgh's bye week with only one team getting a bye this year. That would get rid of the bye week. And then they would force them to play their rival three times in one year. And you know, that is one of the great cliches in sports. You know, it's impossible to beat a team three times in one season. So these, these two brothers are trying to find every loophole in the pandemic. And I know you say you support it. And I know you're saying that just to screw over Ohio state, but I cannot support the Harbaugh shenanigans. I support, I support Michigan dicks. doing it. The hard buy. The hard buy. The hard buy. <laughs> I support Michigan doing it and only Michigan. The Ravens, I, I don't support or not support. I don't care because all I care about is my Buffalo Bills. But I would say if the Denver Broncos could play with a, a Pat Shermer or whoever is going to play, like that means anyone can play. Like if you're going to force the Broncos to play that game, you got to make the Ravens play this game. I know. Maybe Looking they'll just push to it to next one. Sunday and then they can just play a double header. Bring it on. All right, Tom, more college football. Number five, Texas A&M laying seven points on the road at Auburn. Total 49 and a half. Uh, I'll take this one. Auburn. Looked really terrible against Alabama. They had a couple chances to make some plays, and they missed them. And once you do that, it just snowballs out of control. Um, Alabama's offense is really, really good. A&M looked kind of unimpressive against LSU. Obviously, their defense looked good, but, um, you know, their offense was terrible against LSU. Uh, they, They were sloppy. Mon looked terrible. Mon had a Mon game. 
he's been known to be terrible. And then the next game throw for like 303 touchdowns. I don't know if this is the spot. I'm not comfortable laying seven points with an offense that looked that bad last week against Bo Pelini. Um, the total is only 49 and a half and there's some steam on the under. And I agree with that. I think this is a super low scoring game. I'm going to go under 49 and a half in this game. I have zero feel for anything in this game. I'm staying a hundred percent away. Hard game. I have no feel either, but I just want to add that we could have a super year for Texas A&M if uh, Ryan Tannehill wins the Super Bowl and Kellen Mond makes a four spot in the playoff. Could be the year of the Aggies. I've also seen a lot of chatter on Florida State message boards and you know fan posts about how they're starting to miss Jimbo and pine for the Jimbo era. Jimbo is going to be the reason why the Texas Longhorns have to get rid of Tom Herman because Jimbo's ranked number five and they came in roughly the same time and it's not even close. So you, I mean that, and obviously Herman loses to Oklahoma too much, but um, that, I mean, him doing well at AM and being a perennial top 10 team and now this year top five, another reason why Herman's got to go. Jimbo's like one of those like minor Game of Thrones characters who comes on and you're like, oh, what's this guy doing? Then, you know, two seasons later, they end up killing like one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. And he's like, haha, I'm rising to the top again. This is what I do. He's going to get a, like a new quarterback after Mon, and they're going to make one run at a playoff. I mean, they always have really good defense. They have skill players to go to the NFL. They just haven't had a quarterback since Ryan Tannehill. So, well, they've uh, had some. Johnny Football. Johnny Football. Yeah. Anyway, AM's a little bit of a strange program, and if they're, um, you know, uh, competing at a higher level than the Longhorns. Not good, but nice job so far by AM. Number five. It's pretty good. All right, moving on to the big game of the week. Two o'clock, Bowling Green at Akron. All right, here's the deal. Bowling Green has the worst defense. Last week I bet Ohio uh, over 54 and a half with Bowling Green. Ohio, who's terrible, who's not good at all, had 45 at halftime against Bowling Green. This is like the fifth game of the year now that we've seen a team score like over 30-plus on Bowling Green in the first half. I'm calling it, folks. Akron gets the win here to come off the schneid for the first time since 2018. I'm taking Akron minus 2.5 at home. I'm staying away from that total of 57, but – um. I'm going to say Akron beats this terrible Bowling Green squad. If they're ever going to win, it has to be here. They, I'm sure they've all circled this game on their calendar since the schedule came out. They said, we got one chance to win a fucking game this year, and it's got to be this Saturday against Bowling Green. So I don't know if they're capable. I don't know if they can even function. But if they have a chance, here it is. Ryan, tell me why I'm wrong. Well, <laughs> uh I don't know. This is pretty bad. <laughs> it's the game. What do you mean? This All is right. the game of the week. Both teams the 0 and 4, thing. both teams 1 and 3 against the spread. Well, the only thing that would be fitting in this game is if it was there was a whiteout blizzard in Akron. So, check your weather maps, folks. 
I think this game is deserving of a blizzard. It's, yeah, we're, we might have a, we might have a game with zero touchdowns. <laughs> under fifty-seven. This might be bad. I don't know. Check the weather. I might bet under fifty-seven tonight, just in case. Just in case. Tom, I'm not. I'm not. A- no. Oh no. I'm not right, adding. Fine. Somebody, one of these teams, hire Jim Tressel. All right, fine. Moving on to the other game of the week at two o'clock: Liberty Coastal Carolina. Finally, Dan. Finally. Who would have thought? Okay. Uh, Coastal Carolina laying seven. Total fifty-seven. Ryan, go ahead. Pass. Wow. Z. Pass. Uh, that's too many points for two powerhouses facing off. Liberty's uh. You plays away from being undefeated. Coastal Carolina is undefeated. I'll go with Coastal Carolina for the win for the same reason we've been saying for whatever, 10 weeks now, which is that they have a half dozen NFL prospects and a freshman quarterback who's just the best in the league. But Liberty scores and Liberty hangs with power five teams. And so I don't like laying a touchdown in this game either way. I'll take the points as per the name of the show. I agree, Tom. Liberty and overhook 57 is not enough for both these teams that can score. I know Coastal Carolina's got a defense. Liberty just scores points on everybody. So it's only in the 50s. Let's do this. All right. I was just kidding around about the last two. The real game of the week. Syracuse at Notre Dame. That's a 2.30 Eastern start. Notre Dame laying 33.5 with a total of 51.5. Not a lot of wiggle room there. Ryan. 45 nothing Irish. (laughs) (laughs) Notre Dame under hook it. You like to live dangerously. Well, Syracuse always gives us one game where they surprise us and get very close to a good team. But my question would be, have they already delivered that? NC State yeah. is much better than them. Like, was that the game last week? I don't know what that was last week, but if they got every break in the world and still lost by seven at home, it's not going to be good. Here's the thing. Syracuse is one and nine overall, but they're five and five against the spread. They can cover games. They're not a horrible bet to cover, especially with a huge line like this. I would not feel comfortable laying this many points with Notre Dame. Notre Dame showed me last week. I thought they were going to come in and blow out. Who'd they play last week? North Carolina. Yeah. I thought they were going to blow them out and they won comfortably by a couple touchdowns, but they never really dominated. Obviously Syracuse isn't as good as North Carolina, but the impression that I got is that Notre Dame's just trying to, to run their way into the championship rematch with Clemson. And then, win that or keep it close enough to get into the playoff. They're not going for style points and they're not the type of offense with their balanced attack and tight ends and stuff like that. They're not the type to run it up as a Clemson or an Alabama. So I really don't like laying these points. Um, we declared several weeks ago, you're not betting Syracuse for the rest of the year. So yeah. I'm going to stick to my guns on that and I'm just going to stay away. Maybe an under bet. That's pretty good. I mean, if it's an under, right. you, you're uh, right. I mean, you're talking like 40 to three or 40, nothing. Here's one for you, Tom. 
Florida minus 17 at Tennessee. You can get Tennessee on the money line, Tom, plus 525 if you like setting money on fire. Yeah, who's, co- who's coaching and who's playing quarterback? <laughs> well, you, you know the answer. To that's all. that's rhetorical on both teams, actually. That's all you need to look at in this game. It's very easy. Lay the 17 with Florida. Uh, I think Florida has had two weeks where they've just kind of mailed it in and joked around between Vandy and Kentucky. But I feel like Tennessee is enough of an old-time rival that they will actually show up for this game and hammer Tennessee. So I like Florida. I like the over as well. They won't sleep through two games in a row. Last week was a look ahead. They they love. This is the Spurrier game. <laughs> this is absolutely a Spurrier game. So Trask is going to throw for like five touchdowns in the first half. It's going to be awesome. Danny, Florida's going to win the game. Can't spell citrus without UT. I used to make fun of them in the nineties playing in the citrus bowl. If I only knew, (laughs) if If I only knew that was the peak, the pinnacle. (laughs) The peak in Tennessee football was the citrus bowl. My friend, Phil Fulmer, rest in peace. That was the peak. That's as good as it got. Fall downhill. Pruitt, the trash can. I feel bad for him. I'm Steve Spurrier and I feel bad. That's all I got. Thank you, Tom. That was very good. I missed uh, Steve. I haven't heard Steve in a while. He hasn't been on this year, I think. Yeah, he sounds a little different, almost as though he's a little rusty at his own voice. Seems like he's been uh, maybe, you know, self-quarantining for COVID. He's not used to speaking to people, so his voice is a little fucked up. That that could be it. Yeah, something's wrong. But maybe we'll get him back in a few weeks. All right, Tom. Um, No need to hide your voice from this one. Indiana, Wisconsin. Wisconsin minus 14 and a half. Now that we know Indiana, unfortunately lost their quarterback for the year to an ACL injury total, uh, an NFL esque 45 and a half Tom, does Indiana have a prayer to win or to cover both? You just don't know. I mean, there's nothing you can do. You don't know how the backups going to play. And of course their backup last year was Peyton Ramsey, who's now a shining star for Northwestern. So we don't know what they have uh, in the backup role. They have two of the best receivers in the big 10. So if they have a guy who can throw the ball deep or just toss it up for grabs or do anything, then they have a chance to cover and hang in this game. But who knows? And how can you, how could you possibly bet it? I, I won't. So that, that's how you handle that. Um, let's see, Tom, let's, let's move on a little bit here. Chugging down the list. Wow. See anything, Ryan? What do you look at? Let's go out to San Diego state. We got Hawaii rainbow warriors playing a rare, a rare 4 PM Eastern start against San Jose state, a one o'clock local kick very early. If you want to catch some Hawaii football, Tom, uh, Hawaii beat Nevada last week on the island. It was nice to see. Uh, big win to get them back to three, three and three. I'll take Hawaii again. I think them and San Jose State are very similar. I've actually been paying attention to the Mountain West this year, and um, Hawaii's actually totally changed. They're they're a team that likes to play defense. 
They don't throw the ball long. It's all short stuff and a lot of running and running with Cordero. Cordero is pretty fast. Um, not a lot of points either. So you can't bet the Hawaii overs like like uh, like of last year with Cole. So anyway, Hawaii plus six. Can't help myself. Uh, I'm going to bet San Jose State, knowing nothing about these teams, but only knowing that you two love Hawaii, and I think you've been wrong on every single Hawaii game this season. So I'm going to go against you two. You said that Nevada would – Don't put me in this. I didn't pick Hawaii. I'm picking San Jose State too. Okay. They're good. Well, you you go ahead, Ryan. They're they're pretty good. I like them. I had Hawaii last week over Nevada. That's a winner, plus seven, and they won outright. Do not accuse me of these losses. Oh, I thought you had Nevada. No. Incorrect. Apparently, my Will Muschamp glasses do not help with memory. I may have flipped my pick from the podcast, but by the time the kickoff happened on my life, I had a wide plus seven and a half. Um, right, anyway. well, that's, well, then, of course, I would get it wrong. Nothing you could do. Don't worry about it. Uh, Hawaii, outright, plus 200 on the money line. Deal with that. All right, so moving on. Stanford at Washington. It's going to be weird for these teams from California. I don't, I don't know if they're allowed to practice or they got to move out of state or what the rules with COVID are. Um, Washington came back to beat Utah, or did they lose? They won. They came back from 21 nothing down on Utah to come back and win in the second half. Impressive win. I feel like they hammer Stanford here. Uh, now that they don't have to lay 21 in the first half, I feel like they'll get off the better start, get on them early. Washington team's pretty good. Um, like what I've seen so far. You've seen them so far, though, but they've been on TV a lot out here. Yeah, I actually kind of like what I saw last week with Washington. Um, the way they bounced back after being down early to Utah, they really played good. They played fast. Like their defense is pretty fast, I thought. So, um, yeah, pretty impressed. I'm going to take Washington here. Z, thumbs up. I will, I will not be picking west of the Mississippi today. Okay, Tom. Hmm. Fine. Clemson on the road at Vautech. Clemson laying 22, the total of 67. Tom, was the over 38 and a half team total on Clemson last week against Pitt the easiest bet of the week? Or should we go back in time and bet more on that? Yeah. Well, if I could, I would. This is why <laughs> this is why I appreciate Back to the Future too. Because if I had a time machine, I would only use it for sports gambling. Yes, it'd be very rich. Yeah, I'd go, but like the <laughs> baby Hitler would be just fine. Yeah, because I'd be I'd be real busy betting on like against shoeless Joe Jackson or whatever. Um, those are not nearly the same time period, but you know what I'm saying. Yes, Clemson is on the murder tour. They are just killing everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor's back. He's letting it be known that he's still the best quarterback in the country and certainly better than that team up North that they lost to without him. He's just, he's just going to destroy everyone. And Vatak is no exception. There's nothing about Vatak that's going to slow him down at all. I mean, if one of you has an alternate alternate opinion, I'd love to hear like what's Vatak going to do to stop him and ETN and I, w- I will say we talk about those two, but shout out to, I think his name's Powell, the like super jacked receiver that Clemson has. He, he caught a ball and like someone was right on him, the defensive back. And he basically just like 
shove them off to the ground and scored a touchdown. Like if that guy gets his, he's like a tight end with wide receiver speed. So they're loaded up and down as usual. And um, they're going to kill everyone the rest of the year, including uh, this, Notre Dame. This Virginia Tech defense, I believe, gave up like 38 to Liberty, like 42 to Pitt. So uh, this might be another Clemson 45 points in the first half. I mean, it's really possible. Um, well, the nice thing is, is Clemson plays a night game here and Notre Dame plays earlier in the day. So whatever Notre Dame beats Syracuse by, you can go ahead and bet that Clemson's going to win by more. This is the Urban Meyer theorem where he looks when Ohio State played all these night games and they're like, oh, wait, Alabama won 42 to six. Watch this. We're going to win 56 to six. Um, and they scored 21 points in the last 10 minutes to make sure that happened. So, yeah, this is 100%. <laughs> they're whatever Notre Dame wins by Clemson's winning by more. I think we're all in agreement, by the way, hot gossip, urban Meyer's wife spotted shopping for real estate in Austin. Ooh, this is of course, I don't know this for a fact, but I am guaranteeing this is a false rumor. That's not actually going to happen. Uh, I don't know if I can take this. Uh, I might have to be off the bandwagon completely, or I just got to like sell my soul and be like, we're going to win a title. I'm all in. I can't tell. So just another thing to get Texas's hopes up. And by the way, Dan, your UT horns. Remember a few years ago, they had the greatest secondary recruiting class of all time. Yeah. One of those guys just opted out and declared for the pro. So he's, he's the first one to go and, Basically, I don't want to diminish his hard work and play, but like basically he came and went and nothing happened. So Herman essentially is wasting the greatest secondary recruiting class of all time. I'm so mad at myself and, and, and all of us in general for a couple of years ago, we're like, we need a new team and we're looking for one. And we, yeah, we wanted a traditional power and one that wasn't that good. And we took Texas we could have taken LSU and we could have had last year would have been the greatest run ever. We could have been like, Oh, we're, we, did you see it? We won by 50 again. But no, no, we got stuck with another loss to Texas tech this year. God it sucks. I mean, I jumped off that bandwagon very quickly, but I would say for you, Dan, like you can't be afraid to just let yourself love, you know, even though it's, we'll sometimes see. it hurts. You gotta, I want you gotta have to that make vulnerability. This on the Longhorns. I need to thoroughly investigate the future. I might be an LSU fan, and just me. We'll we'll see. Orgeron um, declared today that that they'll be back and they'll win another title, and this is just a bump in the road. So, yeah. Do you trust him or you trust Herman? Yeah. I trust him because LSU won a title. You know, like what was it like? 18 years before that or something like that. Like they're a team that's going to win one every 20 years. I feel like, you know, that's, they're they just, won in 07. So yeah, it was seven. Only, there it is. 12 so years. every 12, 13 years. Yeah, that sounds good. That's impressive. That's kind of like, you know, I think that's very good. Speaking of LSU, they're getting 28 and a half this week, Tom, but that's because they're playing Alabama total 67. <clears throat> I'll take this one. If you don't mind. 
lay the 28 and a half and uh, um, avoid the over-under. I don't know if LSU's offense is any good whatsoever. They're rotating quarterbacks. Justin Marshall um, just opted out yesterday, so he's not playing. LSU may only score 10 points. Alabama might score 55, but that's only 65, and that's an under. So I, I – I can't bring myself to bet an under with this Alabama offense and Bo Pelini calling defense, but um, I will lay the 28 and a half and probably a first half line as well. Ryan. Totally agree. Lay it. Yeah. For what should be normally a huge game. I, it doesn't feel like a big game. It really isn't. And I don't really have much to contribute. I think maybe a Bama first half line might be the smart play. I really don't like the over because I, as you said, I don't know what LSU is going to contribute to this party. And even though it seems like Alabama's the side 28 and a half really is a lot of points for two sec teams. So don't like anything. I'll investigate an Alabama first half line as we get closer to game time, or I might just watch a little bit and stay away. All right, Thomas brings us to the last line of the evening that I would like to talk about. You can bring up any other, lines you would like this feels like a real college football game to me and a real pack 12 after dark ucla at arizona state thank god 8 30 start out here in arizona chip kelly herm edwards who the fuck knows what's gonna happen allegedly the line is arizona state minus three and a half total 55 and a half come on there's no way to know if Herm's going to show up, if that offense is going to put up points. Chip Kelly's weird. Likes to only lose to Oregon by like seven, but you know, lose by another team by 30. No clue. No clue whatsoever. Um, I will take over 55 and a half for some fun, but I will watch this one for sure. It should be very entertaining. Ryan? Um, <laughs> I am extremely thankful that Herm is back in our lives. We missed Herm. It's things just don't feel the same when Herm's not in our lives. So come on back, Herm. I got you minus three and a half. I'm going to hook you with the under. And I know that's a low number, 55 and a half. I think Herm's just dying to play this game in the twenties as low as possible. So I like the Sun Devils, and I like the under, and I like a hook. I certainly have no pick in that game. I'm just scrolling through to see what else we might have missed. I mean, I think Buffalo plays at Ohio, and the way things have been going, I'd lean toward certainly an over in that game. Uh, and Max possibly, overs. Yeah, possibly Buffalo minus 11 doesn't seem too intimidating against an Ohio team that I'm going to take your word for it is pretty mediocre, so... Buffalo seems to be the class of that league. So that's one I like. And then other than that, there's not much uh, Miami minus 15 against a pretty bad Duke team this year is somewhat appealing, but that is on the road. But then again, it's a night game. And a lot of these night games this year have been very lopsided. And yeah. so I will consider depending on how my day goes, if I need to make up some uh, last minute cash, then I will bet Miami and I'll let you guys know. So you can bet against me because whenever I need to make up, cash on the night game. It always just goes horribly awry. And I think that's really all I got. 
You guys got a feel for Oklahoma Baylor? Oklahoma's got a lot of COVID issues apparently are going to come out this week. A bunch of players are going to be out for them. There's some rumors that Rattler's one of them already. They're just rumors, so you never fucking know. So it's, it's kind of a weird one. Oklahoma, you know, they had those early season losses, but they're the same Oklahoma. Just keep chugging along, blowing people out. <laughs> Sneezing. All right. Because I complimented Oklahoma as a Texas fan. See that? See, you're, you're allergic to great Big 12 football. I'm allergic to Oklahoma. I will not be an Oklahoma fan, no matter what. I'll tell you that much. All right, so so let's round it out then. We are in week 14. Normally the season would be wrapping up now, but let's quickly go around the horn and just uh, give, a, at this stage, Heisman and playoffs, what you think will happen. You don't have to stick to this prediction just based on, you know, what you've seen to date. What do you think is going to happen when the season wraps up in 14 more weeks? Uh, I think Heisman, I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence. And I think playoffs, it's going to be Alabama's the one seed. Um, Clemson is the two seed. Ohio State is the three seed. And Notre Dame is the four seed. And then Alabama waxes Notre Dame. Clemson, Ohio State, again, play a rematch after last year or after with Lawrence Fields again. I think that's what everybody wants to see. I think Clemson wins again and beats him again this year. And then I think Alabama beats Clemson in the national title game. Ryan. And that is all subject to change and could be completely wrong. It's very chalky as well. So I do apologize. Yeah. You don't, we're not going to hold you to this one. Yeah. Just off the top of my head. Uh, I'm going to go Mac Jones. Mac Jones and Mac Jones. He's going to win the Heisman, the national championship and the title game MVP. We're getting we're the right. trifecta. We're getting the Mac Jones trifecta that Tua couldn't get. If, if Mac Jones turns out to be the real deal, we we'll take the points. It's gonna be you feel very good, Tom. You were all over Mac Jones last year. You're like, we're gonna be just fine with Mac Jones. Tua's hurt. No one cares. Watch this. That's right. Just fine. It's because he suits the system better. I mean, they tried to reorganize Alabama what they were for Tua, and. That makes sense because he's a generational type player, as we've seen. I mean, I guess he's had a little bit of issues with the Dolphins, but I think he's been pretty good in the limited action I've seen, like a lot of potential there. Uh, as a Bills fan, I'm a little worried about the next you know, decade, um, if, especially if Trev goes to the Jets. That'd be bad times. But I'm kind of with you, Dan. I, I'm kind of at this point looking at a chalk playoff, Bama-Clemson, Ohio state. And then I think Notre Dame, I think yeah, Notre Dame keeps it. it close enough with Clemson. And that's their only loss that they sneak in and again, get absolutely waxed by Alabama in that round one in just yeah. like a 2012 style throwback. Maybe we can get Manti Teo at the game to commemorate. And then I think that Clemson Ohio state would be a really good game. And then whoever wins that one, would um, probably be a slight underdog to Alabama in my mind. 
But I think um, any of those three teams have the potential to win it all. And I think I have this nagging feeling that, yeah, Mac Jones or Trask is going to win the Heisman. And we're going to look back on it for the next 20 years and be like, how the fuck did Trevor Lawrence not win a Heisman? That was the seriously. I mean, it just doesn't make it. It would be. It's Andrew Luck all over again. You can this, justify it. On, yeah, yeah. So similar to Luck's. You can justify it on paper, but you're going to look so foolish in hindsight. It's going to be like Peyton Manning where you can go through year by year and be like, well, he didn't win it this year because this, he didn't win it this year because this, but then you just look at the big picture and you're like, come on, man. Peyton Manning, Is the Trev. After the ACC title game, like do the votes yeah, have to they, be in after that this year? Is it different? Like, well, I forget I the day, but they pushed it back. It's not the usual like second week of December. I think it's, gotcha. I think it's it might even be like right around new year's. Um, but as we know, one thing I hate about the Heisman is guys vote early. I mean, people put their ballots in weeks in advance, sometimes even before the yeah. championship games. I think I've said this every year, probably for the last five years, but it's time for a re-examination of what the Heisman really is. Like, is it about the best player? Is it about the most valuable to their team? Or is it just about stats? I think the way things go this year, like we have to stop overemphasizing stats. Otherwise, just give it to the Buffalo running back. You know, that'd be great. Who is like the best player? I mean, obviously Lawrence is the Trav. best. Player. He's the best player in college football. It's it's clear. But besides that, like it's like ETN. I think Justin, like Justin Fields, Harris, him, yeah. Devontae Smith. Trask is the front runner right now. That's so ridiculous that, to me. That's one of those things where you can easily justify it on paper the way they. ESPN has all these advanced statistics and measures and things, but the average person just watches college football for 35 years. Like us can just look at it and say like, no, he's not better than Trev. He's not more valuable to his team than Trev. I mean, maybe, maybe that's the argument. If you say it's just value over replacement player or whatever, then maybe you can argue uh, Florida has been pretty mediocre and they, they became elite with Trask. Right. I mean, so like you said, Tom, because the ceremony is so late this year, it's January 5th, uh, virtual ceremony in January 5th. If these guys hold on to their vote, it might come down to those, those title games. I mean, it might come down to even the first playoff game. If I mean, I don't know when the votes need to be in by, um, but there's a chance that they can at least play the conference title games before those votes are in. So it honestly, it might come down to, the Trask versus Mac Jones, Trev Lawrence versus Ian book. Like those four are probably the four finalists and they're probably going to be playing each other in their respective title games. And it might come down to that. It might come down to who looks the best out of those four on that weekend. I feel like, yeah, it's possible. That'd that'd be fine. I guess that'd be all right. I mean, I can't sit here if Trask or Mac Jones wins it. I can't sit here like they don't deserve it or they played shitty. They've all had outstanding seasons, but it will be very weird and it will look really bad in hindsight if Trevor Lawrence leaves college without a Heisman Trophy. I agree. A lot of the great quarterbacks did. Like you said, Peyton, Andrew Luck, Don McNabb, 
All the greats never all got their greats. Heisman. All Marvin Graves. Marvin Graves. Wally. Marvin Graves didn't win a Heisman, but he did get on a bike safety poster at my pediatrician's when I was a kid. So that's really that's like almost just as good. Wally Richardson. All right. He, well, no. Anyway, um, here's my, here's how I want to end the show with a non-football item. I need your guys help on this. So I watched the, uh, hillbilly elegy movie for people who haven't seen it. This is a movie about a guy who you know, grew up in Ohio and Kentucky and was, you know, poor and is, you know, whatever mom was a drug addict. And basically it's a movie about being poor from rural America or the rust belt. Um, of course, and the movie was fine, like nothing against it, but the guy in real life is like a lawyer and a venture capitalist. So I was thinking about us and our friends and it, it occurred to me that almost every suburban white guy can string together like three to eight stories that make him sound poor. Like he grew up impoverished. And so I'm wondering what are, what are your guys hillbilly elegy statistics? Like for me, my my dad and I used to shoot 22s in the coal dunes of Eastern Pennsylvania. My grandma had to burn her trash because they didn't have trash pickup. So we just set it on fire in a bin. Um, there's, there's others, but you know what I'm saying? Like if you had to write a fake memoir about being poor, what would be the like three real things in your life that you pointed to? Um, if you were hungry and you wanted to make something quick, you can make a homemade pizza, which was a piece of white bread in the toaster. And then you pop that out. You took ketchup, you put it on the bread. You took a piece of uh, yellow American cheese out of the plastic. You put the cheese on the ketchup bread. Now you put the toasted bread in the microwave for about 30 seconds to get a melted piece of cheese on ketchup on a piece of toast. That was homemade pizza white trash style. Ryan, any memories of being fake poor? Um, I mean, geez. Yeah. I mean, God, I played lacrosse games in Kmart cleats. A lot of, a lot of people didn't know that one. Uh, yeah. You just get a marker, you cross off the logo, kind of make it so people can't notice. And, uh, you know, when, because, you know, I, I had a tendency as a kid to forget stuff a lot. So, like, we'd be halfway to, like, Fulton for a game, and I'm like, oh, I forgot my cleats. And my parents were like, well, too bad. We bought you cleats. If you need something to play in, you can, you know, whatever you can afford. So they pull over at Kmart. I pay with my own money because it's the only thing I can afford. And I buy cleats and play in those, and, uh, yeah. So that was a pretty good one playing uh, lacrosse tournaments in Kmart cleats. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. See, this is proving my theory that that we could all have our own hillbilly elegies. I also it just occurred to me shopping at the yellow store on Hiawatha Boulevard. Where we, where we went in and the, a store that's now completely overgrown with weeds that didn't have a name. It was just called the yellow store. They sold new video games for $5. Nobody asked questions. It was great. A lot of random CDs. All right. Well, think about it. You know, we've got a lot of weeks left to kill. So if you have your own hillbilly elegy moments, I'd be curious to hear them in later uh, episodes. I'll leave you with one fun fact from the movie, Dan. Again, this is a movie about, you know, the worst poverty of rural America. Uh, 
there are two cars featured in the movie. One is the the mom's car and the other is the grandma's car. Both are supposed to be incredibly poor rural Americans. The mom drives the old school Jeep Cherokee, which my parents owned. And the grandma owns uh, the red, like maroon Buick. Was it the Buick or the Oldsmobile that your parents had for a while? Oh, that was, uh, what the fuck was that? My parents had a maroon Buick as well. <laughs> okay. we, had a, we had a Buick Century for like two years. It was such a piece of shit. Steering wheel shaked. It shook if you got between 60 and 70. If you got over 70, it stopped shaking. <laughs> but if you're between like, if you're like 65, the whole wheel would just shake. All right. So that's a good hillbilly LG story. We got to write these down and we're going to make our own like hillbilly LG two upstate New York. Can't think of the model on the car. It wasn't the intrepid. <laughs> wasn't the, was it a cutlass dynasty? It wasn't the dynasty. That was the station wagon one. It was the one. God. It was the one we had. It was a 95 and it was maroon and it was nice. You know, you know what exactly, I'm talking about, but yeah, that, this was, exactly. this was not probably the reaction they're going for. But as I watched certain scenes, not the oh. whole thing, but as I watched certain scenes in this movie about poverty, I was like, Oh, come on. That car's nice. Come on. That's not that bad. That was our nice car. We had two cars. That was the nice car we took to like, you know, for like school events. That was the nice car. <laughs> yeah, well, the Cherokee, yeah. the Cherokee Sport was our nice car too. The other car was a, uh, you know, Econoline Crush van for the dad's business. Van. Yeah, <laughs> so that doesn't count. Yeah, we had the wood wagon, and then that got replaced by the Astro van, <laughs> <laughs> which the Astro van was like the greatest thing ever. Except if you notice, every Astro van I've ever made, no paint on the roof. Everything, the rest of the car is like a freaking tank. Everything's great except every Astro van roof has no paint left after like four years. I just want to like, I want to be clear to anyone who might be listening and be confused. Like none of us grew up poor. Like we were middle class. Um, but when you grow up and then I don't know if it's just a nineties thing or if it's this way for every generation, but you just grow up normal. And then you look back 30 years with all the advancements people have made in that time. And just everybody seems poor in hindsight. Well, just because we didn't have things, you know, like, well, I didn't have TV or phones or cell phone or internet or computers. Like, well, yeah, they didn't exist. So just to say those things, it sounds bad, but it's not like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, but even then, like, I still never had like, a phone in my room when I was like, even in high school, like a TV or like video games or any of that stuff, a computer. I didn't have any of that stuff. I didn't have a computer. I did have a 13 inch tube TV that I bought with my own money from selling golf balls on uh, the golf course behind my house. And then, you know, video games from whatever Christmas and stuff. Um, I forgot what I was going to add, but yeah. Oh, this was what else, what else cracked me up. He owned a game boy, of course, the, uh, the poor kid in the movie and the big purchase he made that like turned his life around was a like TI 82 graphing calculator. 
It's nice. It's a strong model. Yeah. I think he had like a later one that he's a few years younger than us. I think it was like the TI-87 or whatever. Ooh, but yeah. I'm not familiar with that model. I need but, to look into that. Yeah. That's, I don't know if, whether you can play drug wars on that one. I'm sure you can. Or you can I do like cheat, can. cheat programs or fake memory clear programs that help you cheat in physics class. But anyway, that's just all hypothetical. Inaccurate. Well, I'm glad to be here today with you guys, with all our, our nice lifestyles, our nice expensive fake classes, and uh, our extremely expensive gambling habits. So things have turned around. Very pricey. It's getting it's getting iffy. Yeah. <laughs> Any last words? <clears throat> One last thing. Um, I swear that we are living in a simulation. I'm going to give you a one minute story to tell you that it's true. I come home from wherever the other day and Ryan goes, take hey, guess what I got. I said, what'd you get? And he said, NCAA 13, 2013 for PlayStation three. And I was like, okay, nice pickup. He was at some store and bought it for 15 bucks. He wanted some football game to play kill time. Sounds good. The thing is RG is on the cover. I said, the universe is a simulation. This is a sign. RG3 is going to start for the Ravens. Or no. I said RG3 is going to play for the Ravens against the Steelers somehow this weekend. And we were like, no, nah, that'd be crazy. I said, I wonder if I can find a prop over 0.5 passing attempts for RG3 this weekend. And, and I'd love to bet it. The very next day, Lamar Jackson, COVID, announced out. RG3 announced starter for the Ravens. Just like... You gotta be kidding me. It's all because of that damn video game. So Tom, new metal, kid rock. I was just gonna say we, I've used we, I've taken this the principles of the secret, the famous like 2005 movie, and I've been using them, but only for evil. The bad secret. I, we're living in a simulation. The person who's controlling it, the people who are controlling it, listen to podcasts and and are now fucking with us. And placing moments of this shit. Uncle Cracker was playing at my work today. That can't be possible. There's no way that that can happen unless there's a simulation. I would like you to look into my phone. It's not a a simulation, Dan. It's it's all been planned since the beginning. (laughs) My outro music to the episode. You you walked right into it. See. I'm contr- I'm it's like the matrix but I'm the guy whatever his name is who controls the like 50 million screens except I only use it to make people listen to new metal that's the thing you can only use your powers on new metal it's a very limited scope of powers there were a lot of abuses of power with the previous like overlords and so they stripped me of all my like important powers to create deja vu and twist the universe. The one thing they left me with was the ability to cast new metal over people at any given time. So I guess that's the end of the episode. There's not much else to say, Tom. That, that was unplanned. And Everything's planned. You have no free will. There's no free will, only new metal, only Uncle Cracker. I'm going to see something tomorrow. I'm going to see a corn shirt as soon as I walk into work or something. And Tom's going to just be laughing at me. <laughs> I added 
All right, here's what you got to look for. I added three new tracks to the Camp Biscuit new metal mix. These are a little more obscure. So if you if you hear these, then we really know it's on. I don't even know if you know these bands. Um, so one is called Crossfade. One is one is named Edema. Oh yeah. Where's, where's the rest? Um, oh, I also added um, Lurry by Puddle of Mud, Mud Shovel by Stained, and I haven't added it yet, but I've been debating adding Hoobastank. If you hear Hoobastank in the next week, then we know. Then we know it's all over. You watch. Hoobastank's gonna pop up in some way. All right. On that note, good night, America. Enjoy the sweet, soothing sounds of Uncle Cracker. <laughs> Give me the beat, boys. We'll see you next week. The guitar's coming through to soothe me. I'm just gonna let it play. Chorus. Thanks for the joy that you're giving me. Give it up for Kid Rock, motherfucker! You know, I always liked the Beatles, but one thing I didn't like about them is they didn't say their own name enough in the songs. It's really a flaw. Oh, here's where it just everything falls out except the drums and the clapping. That's a classic, like, middle America heartland move. Boys and free my soul. I wanna get lost in your rock and roll.